Welcome, everybody, to Blissfully Aware, the show in which three opinionated people discuss what's going on in fandom and nerd news in general. I am Bliss, and as always, I am joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Kelty and Kendra. Hello. Hello. Y'all, a lot of stuff happened this week. It's been a week. A lot of stuff. It's been a whole ass week. So... Let's just get, like, right into it. We're gonna talk about a heavy topic, and we're gonna talk about a not-so-heavy topic. And I'm gonna choose to start with the heavy topic this time, y'all. So just know that there's a happy ending coming to this episode, everybody. (laughs) Instead of the reverse, where we start light and then we get sad. (laughs) Yeah. Do we want to start with just our most, like, news, headline news item? We're not going to do a deep dive into it, but uh, the Activision Blizzard lawsuit that's happening for apparently just all the sexual harassment that was commonplace in the offices of the game developer Blizzard, most famous for developing World of Warcraft and others. (laughs) Was Blizzard the studio that said women were too hard to design? That statement has been made more than once. Yeah. So it is possible. I think you might specifically be referring to something that happened at BlizzCon, which is Blizzard's own convention in uh, 2010. There was this uh, woman, uh, I guess I shouldn't name her. (laughs) That seems like a bad recipe to getting her harassed. But there is a video of a panel discussion at BlizzCon asking the World of Warcraft panel, even though... Like, in World of Warcraft, there are a lot of female characters, a lot of, like, varied female characters with different strengths and personalities. They basically always are dressed in chainmail bikinis. Like, they're always extraordinarily sexualized in revealing in, like, cheesy ways that the male characters aren't. Like, it's World of Warcraft. It's a cheesy fantasy game. It's, you know, has a certain amount of, like, escapism and wish fulfillment. But this level of, like, raw objectification is never applied to the male characters. And she asked them, like, do you have any plans of ever having a different sort of approach to your female characters? Or different mm-hmm. design to your female characters? And, like, basically everyone just laughed at her. Like, the whole male panel of developers at Blizzard just kind of joked and rolled their eyes. Classic. You love to see it. She makes a comment about how the characters still look like they just walked out of a Victoria's Secret catalog. (laughs) And um, uh, game director Tom Chilton responded, which catalog would you like them to step out of? I feel you, and we want to vary our female characters absolutely. So yeah, we'll pick a different catalog. Yeah, and the rest of the panel just laughed. They kept the joke going, and eventually uh, she was prompted to move out of the line with her question unanswered. Wow. So that- Wow, Blizzard. Yeah, so that happened in 2010. And that footage has been making the rounds on Twitter lately because in July, Blizzard got hit with a sexual harassment lawsuit. I have not read the actual filings, but the gist of it, from what I gather, is they had a culture that promoted, covered up, 
and otherwise ignored ongoing sexual harassment. And so, yeah, someone dug up this... What a twist. Someone dug up this footage and was like, well, yeah, these are the people running the company right now. Do you you think they take women's grievances seriously? I also uh, learned about the Cosby Suite, which was something I didn't know about. Yeah, as the the allegations broke, um, it appears that this one guy, Alex Afrasayabi, I hope I'm saying that right, uh... And yeah, they specifically named the Cosby Suite in the lawsuit, which was like a literal suite like at BlizzCon where like the high ranking developers would go hang out and they literally had a framed larger than life size portrait of Bill Cosby that they would hang on the wall and a bunch of those photos surfaced and stuff. Mmm, classy. Yeah, the president, J. Allen Brack, is also outright named in the lawsuit. Here's a quote from the filing itself. During a company event, an annual convention called BlizzCon, Afrasayabi would hit on female employees, telling them he wanted to marry them, attempting to kiss them, and putting his arms around them. This was in plain view of other male employees, including supervisors, who had to intervene and pull him off female employees. Oh my god. Afrasayabi was so known to engage in harassment of females that his suite was nicknamed the Cosby Suite after alleged rapist Bill Cosby. Nice. Funny stuff. (sighs) Yeah. Apparently it was more than just that, because, you know, they brought a photo. They leaned into the joke real hard. And it was was apparently... uh, from, like, the filings and from what people have described on Twitter in the recent weeks, it was a spot where, like, the higher-ups met and a really important spot for, like, informal networking. Like, if you wanted to meet important people in the company or the industry, they were at the Cosby suite, apparently. <laughs> because it sounds like this Afrasayabi guy, like, I don't know, puts on a good party for frat dudes. Mm-hmm. So... <sighs> which is a bad time for everybody else. Which is a bad else. time for everyone else. Like... Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, so, that's happening. Oh my god. <laughs> we'll keep an eye on the Blizzard lawsuit. See, Tap it down see keep what an comes eye on of it. it. <laughs> anyway, on to the rest of the episode. Yup. Uh, well, you know what else you hate? People. Doxing. Oh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Let's get into the sad story. Let's talk about doxing. So, there was an incident. A doxing incident this past week, as there happens to be almost any given day of the week, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one was just particularly egregious and had had some, some truly yes. gobsmacking receipts. Yeah. So there was no, there was no, like, plausible deniability. Oof, as the kids say. So the story goes, uh, uh, a 13-year-old fanfiction writer on AO3, Archive of Our Own. Dope name, by the way. I mean, very, I, I just, from the username alone, very obviously a 13-year-old. Mm. Yes, but I love it. So yeah, Madame Agony has written five fanfics. Two for Friday Night Funkin', which is a video game that I've never heard of, and three for Madness Combat, which is a web series that I'd also never heard of, but it doesn't seem like my cup of tea when I looked into it. It's it's geared towards the children. <laughs> it's for the It's, it's for, for the, the youth. Kids. It's on Newgrounds, right? I think it's on Newgrounds. What? Newgrounds is still happening? It's trying to come back. Holy shit, I thought that was a joke. Oh my gosh, yeah, I thought you were kidding for a second. I thought you were making a joke. I was like, oh my joke. god, like on Newgrounds, right? Like, <laughs> like in 2003. 
Holy no, it's been shit. like holding on by the bare skin of its teeth, and now it's like really trying to come back because I mean, with Twitter and YouTube and all the censorship, Newgrounds is like we don't censor things. <laughs> That's a pretty great idea. Yeah, yeah. it just I would ha- I haven't been on Newgrounds in at least ten years, so it would have to I imagine like do some restructuring of its website and stuff. But that would be interesting. Um, so I know like you're about to say. But just before you describe the content of these fics, I just, I have a, I have a statement. You have a statement prepared for the court, well, Kendra? not really. Like, I, <laughs> I had heard, because, like, I, I saw this happen on Twitter. So I heard people, you know, screeching, like, oh, it's pedophilic incest rape and, you know, all those things. And so I haven't read them. I don't know these fandoms. It might be pedophilic incest rape. I just want it to be absolutely clear that I don't care. I don't care what the content of these fics are. I don't care if it makes a Serbian film look like Barney. I don't care how gory and gruesome and needlessly exploitative they are. I do not care. There is... No reason, no fictitious narrative, no prose so egregious that it warrants this sort of response. Nope. Sometimes, I'll have you know, 13-year-olds like to be edgy mm-hmm. because yeah. they are, for the first time, testing the boundaries of what is socially acceptable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What we as a society deem permissible in terms of social behavior, in terms of, of even what we deem permissible in terms of transgressive art. Like, there are things that we expect to see in like a horror film, mm-hmm. like a hostel or a, you know, a Friday the 13th. There's a certain amount of blood and gore we expect and a certain amount of blood and gore we don't expect which is why things like a Serbian film have such staying power or the Human Centipede films. Like, even though they're dumb and over the top, people remember them because they are transgressive in a way that is not allowed, you know, mm-hmm. is not usual. Even when we kind of indulge in horror and, and, and dark transgressive themes, we usually expect there to be a maximum gore limit that will not be surpassed. And sometimes films do surpass that. So when you're 13, for the first time, you are like, you are responsible for yourself and your actions in society, kind of testing the waters of how to interact with other people, what desires and impulses you have that are allowable. Because when you're a baby, you just act upon most of your if your impulses and desires like and it's a long arduous learning process to be like no you can't have dessert first no you can't just bite that kid because they took your toy like that's that's a learning process and so yeah and when you're 13 that's kind of the the some of the earliest years where you're expected to start putting in the work of figuring out where the the permissible social limitations are And that's difficult. And sometimes 13-year-olds rebel against that expectation and like to be edgy and like to try and scare normie society, man, and are (laughs) figuring out stuff about their own social limitations, what they think is permissible versus what society says is permissible. And it's a fucking mess. And I'll have you know that 
edgy, extreme teenage fan fiction is a fucking storied tradition. Yeah, like it really is. If it wasn't fanfic, it was bad poetry. If it wasn't bad poetry, it was metal music. If it wasn't metal music, it was fucking, I don't know, like running away and marrying your sweetheart without your parents' permission. Giving yourself a stick and poke tattoo. Giving yourself a stick and poke tattoo. Cutting off all your hair because your dad said you can't. So... I need because I actually don't know the content of these fics uh, beyond people, you know, screaming that it's pedophilic incest or whatever. And even if it is, even if it's worse, I don't care. Nope. This is maybe the safest way for a 13 year old to be testing those limitations on permissible behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So absolutely. If this kid wrote a Serbian film too. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Nothing about what you tell me about the content of these fics will change that. Go out and write Antichrist, kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the two most recent fics, they're dark themes. Uh, it deals with child abuse, parent-child incest, sibling incest, rape and underage sex, um, humiliation, verbal abuse, degradation, uh, tentacles, mm-hmm. and victim-blaming, choking. So nothing I didn't write <sighs> as a 13-year-old. I don't know, but none of it seems, like, insane. So no. I'm not, well, like... again... <laughs> Nothing that this kid wrote that is not, I am going to shoot up my school, Uh or I am planning to kill myself, Mm -hmm. is actionable content. Nope. Absolutely. Fictional characters are not real. They do not have human rights. They cannot be abused or traumatized. They are the safest avenue to channel all of that 13-year-old rage that everyone feels. And like, yeah, that's, that's... dark stuff, but also they're 13 and I imagine they don't really know what they're doing. We, we talked about that fic that, um, someone... The dream fic. The dream, yeah. Dreams, homemade cat boy. Yeah. Yeah. Where basically one character, Island of Dr. Moreau's <laughs> another character into being mm-hmm. a literal cat person. I found that very creative. In a torture dungeon. And like, things like that really strike me as like baby's first gore. Yeah, I, yeah. I even said that in in the last podcast. Like, this is just a kid trying to be as extreme as possible. Just trying to find that limit. Like, what is the most egregious thing imaginable? Oh, like, what is the limit of my imagination? That's a big question to a 13-year-old. And I don't know anything about this kid's, like, life at all. <laughs> I'll just say that entirely. So I don't know if they have a history of sexual trauma or abuse from a parent uh it doesn't matter but maybe they do know how serious these topics are and maybe maybe this is a way that they are they are processing that and they are coming to terms with that in the way a 13 year old has access to which is literally their own imagination and a pen and paper right yeah like this isn't some sort of therapy that they have to get to and pay for so yeah like either or it's it's absolutely fine i think it's also important I'm not trying to make fun of kids who do this. Like, it's just that I was 13, and so therefore you cannot shock me. (laughs) Um, Because I'm still very much in touch with who I was at 13. 
And, like, that's fine. What you're doing is fine. This severe aggression that you're getting out by, like, just murdering fictional characters, torturing fictional characters, all this stuff. That's totally fine. I'm not trying to say, like, oh, you're trying so hard to be edgy. You're not. You're dealing with a lot of feelings. No, I I am absolutely not meaning to, like, be derisive to a 13-year-old. I was a 13-year-old once, too. It was maybe the worst year of my life. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I had a lot of rage that I had to direct somewhere. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't want to shoot up a school, (laughs) and I had to put all that violence and rage somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I had a few outlets, but fiction was one. Yep. Because I wasn't hurting anyone, even myself, you know? As someone... Who has a history of self-harm. I wasn't even harming myself. Yep. And, but you look back on it even a year later and you're like, oh my god, I was trying to be so fucking edgy. Like, just trying to have the most shocking thing possible. Because you grow a lot in your teenage years. and Really fast. What, really fast, like, in a, in a span of a couple months. And so, what felt like all-consuming rage at 13 seems adorable at 14. Right. And then what feels like all-consuming murderous rage at 14 feels adorable at 15. And that's just the process of growing up, man. That's for as long as there have been kids and the human brain develops the way that it does. That's been how it is. Publish your weird shit. Do it. So like, yeah. just tag it with warnings. And- so what happened was Madame Agony wrote some fix, And in the comments, they started receiving some... Less than nice comments from some aunties. Surely aunties just click on tags like rape and then go and antagonize writers, Here's the thing. They do. Yes. And I personally know some authors and fan artists now who do not tag perhaps troubling content anymore because it gets them less harassment from aunties. See, that's stepping backwards, aunties. Look what you're doing. Yeah, so they would, you know, as is customary on the internet for at least 20 years now, they would tag perhaps troubling content with, you know, blood, gore, uh abuse or violence or sexual position number 426 or something. And because that made, you know, problematic, and lists sarcasm air quotes, content easier to find, that meant that aunties were going through these tags for the express purpose of harassing these artists and authors that's sad so it's almost like they're making it's almost like they are including or they are contributing to the problem that they are claiming to be fighting Mm. imagine that probably probably not though it's probably a coincidence that's probably just me being cynical (laughs) as i often am so yeah madam agony in the comments received some aunties and unbeknownst to them, in a Discord server, a group of people decided that they wanted to dox Madame Agony. A 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. A 13-year-old. Madame Agony mm-hmm. is a 13-year-old. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and read some of this Discord thread. And I'm not going to name anyone. I'm just going to go by person 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So. We could, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We are deciding not to. <laughs> So, person one says, 
There's a Reddit thread on how to dox people. Take that information as you will. Winky face. Person two. Key smash. Are we really about to dox this kid? Yes. Yes, we are. Person three. <laughs> really hope we don't have to release the dox. Yeah. Like it's out of our control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The most I want to do is scare her with her address. But if that doesn't work, like I'm really hoping her parents get into gear when we come to tell them. Person two. Same. The parents really need to know about this. I'm sure most parents are very disgusted by such immoral topics, like she's writing. Person one. <laughs> okay, but what if the parents turn out to be the problem? Gotta prepare. Person two. Okay, then, Le LMAO. Contact authorities would be the next step. Or contact a psych ward for her. Yikes. I... Ugh, that... Yeah. I had, I had to go take an angry nap after I heard that shit. Person two again. I saw somewhere that she actually knows how serious these kinds of topics are, though, and she gets off to it. Okay, kid, you're fucked in the head. Person four. Psych ward. Person three. No, deadass, if her parents won't do anything, she needs to be driven offline by force. Person four. Straight to the psych ward. Person three, because if age is 13, sorry, there's a typo, because if age is 13 and is this messed up in the head, that's just asking for some other fucked up in the head piece of shit to take advantage of that. Like, as if you're protecting them? Yes, that is what they think, unironically, Bliss. Yikes. Like, I, I, to you and to anyone listening, they thought they were protecting this 13-year-old. You say that, but then person two, next comment says, I'm ready to literally punch her in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they think that would be therapeutic. Yeah. I'm not fucking joking. Like, they think that would be good for her. Person four follows that up with, yeah. I want to stab shit to cool off so bad. Because that makes you morally correct in this situation. Yeah, well, I mean, fucking do it then. Go stab your pillow. <laughs> it, it, it just... It keeps going. I know it does. Yeah. Person three comes in. It's because these idiots are so detached from reality oh. and inconsiderate. They think, oh, I content warned. You're just sensitive is an excuse. You're <laughs> to stab someone. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is an excuse. That is that is valid as much as I hate that word. Person four. Like, reading just the tags makes me panic. Then don't read the fic. Yeah, oh right? God. Go away. Just scroll past. If you're reading the tags of something, and one of the tags makes you start to panic, put the phone down. Yeah. Put the phone down. I'm saying this as somebody who has had that happen to me. Just, I was having a bad day, and I was like, you know what? Can't read fic today. Gotta, gotta go do something else. Yeah, it is no one's job to make you feel safe, especially a 13-year-old on the internet. A child! Um, so person four. Like, reading the tags makes me panic. It's not funny or cute or quirky. It's a fucking nightmare, and I hate it so much. Quote, if you don't like it, don't read it. I don't read it. Because your tags make me sick enough. So good! They're doing they're doing their job now! The tags are working as they should! Person two. Yeah, the tags were enough for me. I didn't read shit because it's sick and disgusting. Good! That's what the tags are for! 
functioning as it should the point of tagging i suppose like in their mind they should just not have to encounter anything they don't like I, don't read the dictionary then it doesn't <laughs> content warn yeah. words. it has words you know <laughs> like rape and abuse and gaslight so you don't want to find out what incest is no jesus fucking christ these people um, and then it ends off with person three again saying ominously if someone more malicious gets her docs and posts it and she freaks out, I want to just say, if you don't like it, don't read. Just to rub salt in the wound. Don't read people coming to my house to kill me? Yeah. Like, don't, don't, don't read your own address, I guess? Don't read my address being spread to strangers on the internet? Like, the p- different potentials for harm in these two circumstances are A- Someone reads a tag that makes them angry so they don't read the fic. And two, strangers coming to a 13-year-old's house. Yeah. And yet they think they are being witty and clever by conflating the two with don't like, don't read. Like they have the same potential for harm. Yeah, like right. they think They think that's a devastating own. What do they think reality is? I couldn't. So to cl- it includes two D people. Yes, they have human rights <laughs> because because reality, as somebody who has been punched in the throat, uh, that's real and it hurts. That's real violence that's... that you're really doing to a real thirteen year old. Um, I like there's nothing to read there. I can't not read your knuckles going into my larynx. Yeah, you know? that's not something that you get to opt out of. <laughs> I I can't. I will unread my stab wound. Yeah, like, and that from someone who's been fucking stabbed. <laughs> I should have just not read it. Yeah, I I just, don't understand. Just choose what they, to not interact. I don't understand what they <laughs> think they're saying with that quote unquote burn. So in case we got a little heated because we knew the story going into this, what happened was a thirteen-year-old wrote an edgy fanfic of something I don't know about, including, yeah, parent-child incest, amongst others. And this made a group of adults, 18 and over, so angry that they conspired on Discord to dox her, tell her parents, and have her institutionalized. Yeah, by the way, really great ableism there. (laughs) So, I have some things to say. As someone who has been psychiatrically institutionalized, that's fucking vile. That is so fucking evil that I have a hard time understanding it. Number one, if you drove a 13-year-old to an emergency psychiatric unit and said they wrote an edgy story, they would turn you away. That is not actually a psychiatric crisis. They have not threatened to hurt themselves or anyone else. They are not in an acute, psychotic break from reality. They are not a danger to themselves or others. The psychiatric unit would laugh you off of the premises. I, I don't, what were they expecting if someone got this 13 year old to a psychiatric unit and said they wrote a gross fanfic? 
what were they expecting to happen next? A lobotomy. Like, fucking rushing them into a twilight room for a fucking lobo- ice pick lobotomy? Like, yeah. a fucking, <laughs> like, subclavian vein drip of Thorzine? Like, what psychiatric impairment does that meet the criteria of? <laughs> also, I am asking. Like, that is, they are not claiming that they want to do violence to themselves or others. They don't think they're on Mars. They're not hearing voices. They are not having an acute psychotic break. They are not an anorexic that's on death's door. And those are really the only instances in which you can non-voluntarily commit someone to a psychiatric facility. Mm -hmm. So, number one, that idea is laughable and ableist. Uh, Number two, having a history of being involuntarily committed to a psychiatric unit can ruin your fucking life. Mm -hmm. But as somebody whose parents actually found a lot of my dark, creepy art and fan fiction, because this was back when we all had one computer, it was the family computer, and my mother found fan fiction that was dark and ended in everyone dying, and there was a lot of rape and murder. And surprisingly, my mom did not give a fuck because I was 14 and sad and weird. She was just kind of like, do you want to talk about any of this stuff? I said, no. The end of the conversation. My mom was like, that was it. Because my mom was a kid in the 60s and 70s. So she's just glad I'm not on heroin. (laughs) I actually wrote a dark poem in high school that somebody gave to the cops. And the cops showed up at my house and said, Do you write this poem? And I said, Yeah. And they said, Are you going to kill yourself? And I said, No. Like a liar. (laughs) 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 And then the cop left. Yep. (laughs) And that was it. When I was in grade two, so depending, uh, this was around October, so I was seven years old. Uh, For English, for a creative writing assignment, because it was around Halloween, we had to write a scary story as Mm seven-year-olds. And I don't quite remember the context, what happened in my story. Uh, Apparently, there was a bat and a rat, and one killed the other, or something. And this apparently disturbed my English teacher, who called my parents, my mother, in to the school, being like, we're worried that Kendra's having some dark thoughts. Be- based on my creative writing assignment, where I was told to write a scary story. And so my mother apparently just laughed in their faces and left, and later asked me about it, like, oh, like, you know, I heard about your creative writing story, like... What did you think about it? And apparently my response to being told that, like, why did one animal kill the other was, it was supposed to be scary. (laughs) It is stupid to try and determine someone's uh, mental state from a piece of writing they produce without at least doing some further investigation. So I don't think I'm blowing anyone's mind when I say that mental health care in any part of the world is not great. I was institutionalized in America at a, at a quote-unquote good facility. Mm-hmm. 
And as an adult, by the way, like not even as a minor, like I was over 18. And the amount of power that these people had over my life was immense. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I had to keep my head down or I might be there forever. Mm -hmm. Like when I was there, like it's a stressful thing. Certain people I was, some of the people I was with were under 18. Some weren't, but some acted out. Some were mad. Some didn't want to be there. And in medicine and psychiatry, they call that non-compliance. And if you as a patient are any way resistant or skeptical of what the doctors tell you to do, that is seen as further evidence that you are mentally ill. Yep. And it means they need to do it to you harder. Mm-hmm. It means that you need more medication and more therapy. And so I figured out very early that I needed to keep my fucking head down and say yes ma'am and no ma'am because otherwise I might be there for a long fucking time. As an adult, as someone who has rights, like I, I can choose things for myself and no one can tell me no. Like I can't imagine what it would be like for a child who has to stay there so long as their parents say so. And this is not to say either that I shouldn't have been in a hospital. Like, overall, I am glad I was there, but it is not an ideal circumstance. No. And to try and institutionalize a 13-year-old, to try to put that burden on them, to try and attach that label of involuntary institutionalization for writing a dark fanfic is maybe the most unspeakably evil thing that I have encountered on the internet in a long fucking time. And that is unforgivable to me. I don't personally know any of these people who tried to dox this 13-year-old over edgy fanfic. But if I did, if these people were known to me, if they were in like an extended circle of friends, we would not be friends anymore. This is relationship-terminating shit to me. That's something I would call their parents, though. Yeah, I I would call this 18-year-old's parents mm-hmm. just to be like, hey, I, I just want you to know that you did a bad job. <laughs> I needed to take a break from the internet for a few days after I saw that. And I don't usually. I didn't have to take a break when the Chris Chan news dropped. Oh, I, God. Just, I, ha- I needed to take a break after this. Because seeing adults conspired to institutionalize someone however much it would have failed like i i need to underline that no psychiatric unit at least in the western world would have for an instant entertained the idea of committing a, this 13 year old involuntarily for writing dark fanfic but the fact that they thought that that was a noble thing to do that they were protecting this 13 year old from themselves by getting them institutionalized in a psychiatric unit involuntarily is so repugnant that I don't have fucking words for it. I That is orders of magnitude more horrific and disgusting to me than anything contained in that 13-year-old's fanfic. And I hope they know that. I hope these people know that they are exponentially more vile and evil than anything this kid could have written down in the English language about whatever this video game is they watch. They absolutely don't know that because the second they got 
caught and somebody started messaging Madame Agony telling them, hey, these adults are trying to dox you. Here are screenshots of this conversation. Yeah, some, some blessed angel that was part of this Discord server sent screenshots of all of these plans to the kid. Mm-hmm. Like, whoever that person was, good deed of the year accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, first off, the doxers all started saying, well, we weren't actually going to dox them. And, you know, we were just concerned about their safety. And, of course, shocking no one, all the aunties came and started defending them. And, oh, they're being bullied by the pro-shippers. And good! Oh, boo-hoo. Good! <laughs> you fucking deserve it. Yeah. This is something you deserve. This is not petty fandom shit. You conspired to ruin a child's life. Good. And so, Madame Agony, because this was all a drama that happened on a Discord server and on Archive of Our Own, was obviously upset and felt the need to make sure as many people were aware of what happened as possible. So Mm -hmm. they made a Twitter. They did not have one. They made one with the express purpose of telling people what happened to them. They wanted people good. to know. And that is good. That is good. <laughs> yes. Unequivocally good. Mm-hmm. That is how I came across the story. And I decided I would gamble and I sent them a DM. <sighs> and I felt kind of skeevy sending a DM to somebody who was just going through a harassment and doxing campaign and being like, hi, tell me about you. <laughs> yeah, at 13. Like, I can't fucking imagine. Like, I was on the internet at 13. I was reading and writing fanfiction at 13. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking imagine discovering someone threatening to tell my parents or have me involuntarily committed on the basis of my fanfiction mm-hmm. and right. having the having the information to go through with it. Madame Agony was kind enough and brave enough to speak with me about what they were going through a little bit more about them. I was careful in not asking a lot of like actual very, very personal details outside of your age, the details. Do you live in America? You don't have to tell me if you don't want to. Just for research, would like to know. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Just, just so we don't say anything wrong. They are not from the US, for the record. As we were having our conversation, people were still actively trying to dox them. And somebody was messaging Madame Agony. And this is a PSA for anybody, both children and adult. I think we've gotten too comfortable online. Don't click links. Don't just click random links that strangers send to you. Yes, if someone, if someone you don't know sends you a link and the link is like gibberish... Or if it says, like, you know, free candy or something, don't click it. This you? Yeah. The link will take you to a website that will track your IP address and give it back to this person. Mm -hmm. So giving them a very rough and or close approximation of where your device is. It's illegal, by the way. Phishing is what it's called. It's illegal. People do it. People do it. And, uh... I'm sure they did not lose any sleep at night over doing an actual crime, not a fan fiction. But yeah, I think they handled the situation very well, and I am incredibly impressed by their emotional strength. I was also very impressed. Me too. And the whole time, these people who are trying to, or threatening to, dox, 
are just saying, well, we weren't gonna do it. We just want you to know that we could have done yeah. it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, thank thank you for threatening a 13-year-old. You've done the Lord's work today. Which I don't believe for a fucking instant. I don't believe that if whoever this person was in the Discord server hadn't informed Madame Agony about their plans to dox them, I don't believe for one fucking instant that they would not have gone through yeah. with this. That's simply not how antis on the internet operates. They don't self-de-escalate. Yeah. No. So I don't believe for a goddamn minute that they wouldn't have gone through with it. It was a sticky situation. They were okay. Nobody gave out their home address or anything. They're safe. They're fine. They're mentally well. I, I spoke with them yesterday. But yeah, so happy ending to the story is that they're alive and well, and they did not have their address blasted on the internet. Small mercies. Yay. I also want to, I appreciate and want to thank everybody who reached out to Madame Agony and urged them to share their story with me unprompted. I had reached out and then we received several people who also contacted Madame Agony and said you should talk to- Like- vouched for us Aww. yeah like well that or like you should go and talk to this podcast about your you know circumstances that's kind of nice like i'm glad i'm glad that we seem uh, hopefully like some sort of i don't want to say the phrase safe space because that sounds like a little too self-congratulatory but at, at least we had people vouching mm-hmm. for us that we were not also psycho aunties who were going to dox a 13 year old yeah no, it was very, it was very kind of all of you who did that. I very much appreciate it. That makes me happy. I do too. That y'all think that highly of us. And thank you, by the way, uh, slightly off topic, for all the anniversary well wishes. That also made me very happy. Aw, aw. So thanks, guys. Thank yeah. you. So yeah. So on to our fun topic. The My Hero Academia fandom sure did have an upset. <laughs> Anime discord. Yay. <laughs> Y'all know what a Mineta is? Nope, it's a character. So yeah, Mineta is a character on My Hero Academia. He is the token pervert character. He's the one that's constantly wanting to smell the girls' underwear drawers and touch their boobs and is drooling at the mouth or bleeding from the nose or what have you. Yeah, the monk from from Inuyasha, basically. Yes. Oh yeah, Moroku the pervy monk. Because that that is a stock figure that they like in anime i've noticed they and do well Mineta's not a holy man Mineta is a teenage boy and he's a pervert and he is the author of my hero academia's self-insert just oh hold on to that information so Mineta, he's he's pretty inconsequential his superpower is because in case you don't know what my hero academia is it's an alternate universe where in the future we all now are just born with like a It's called a quirk, but it's a superpower. We all have superpowers. We live in a superpowered society. And being a professional hero is a job that you can have. So they're all in school to become professional heroes. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit like One Punch Man. Sky High. Or X-Men or any... This is a very... This is an old trope by this point. Yeah. Mineta is... He's small. He's a short little pervert. Pocket-sized pervert. And what is his quirk? He has these little balls about the size of a softball that Mm -hmm. grow where his hair would be in like a mohawk on his head and he can remove them and throw them and they will stick to anything except for him he can do it endlessly 
He will start bleeding from the scalp eventually, but that is his superpower that got him into this very hard-to-get-into superpower school. Uh, Okay, alright. And this is a big ol' fat spoiler for the manga. In the recent chapter of the manga, he is fighting with the main character, Deku, in one of those classic... The main character has to fight everybody he loves because he wants to go and be self-sacrificing. So everybody's trying to stop him with their love, and he's like, I'm gonna solve this problem with punches sort of situation. Yeah, you have to like you have to like fight your rival as a metaphor. Mm-hmm. That's that's a very old anime trope. Yeah. So we're in the middle of that moment, and it's now Mineta's turn because all they're they're all having each their powerful moment where Just they say, going you know, in order, <laughs> one at a time. <laughs> they're all saying, you know, personal quotes from you know some time in the past that they've had and they clearly remember, and like they're having flashback moments, and you know. You're my friend, and we can save Bakugo, and and so Mineta's big moment is he says to uh, Deku, "Mm -hmm. Okay, so the English translation that is available says, I fell for you when you were scared and sweating buckets and quaking in your boots, back when we found a path forward together, the way you were back then. And that is what it is, and everyone went, Fuck. What do you mean he's confessing his love to Deku? Fucking, we wanted queer representation, but we didn't want this guy to be the queer representation. (laughs) I mean, why not? Oh, for the most part, the Western fandom loathes him. They would sooner see him dead. But, and there's better people that could be queer representation. But again, we'll get to that. That's a whole different rant for Bliss. Let me get through this real fast. Okay. Because so many people were upset, they started screaming, it's a translation problem, because there have been some translation choices made in the past. Big ol' capital C choices. And I'm not going to get into a debate over whether or not it was a translation issue. I went out of my way to ask people I knew in real life. I asked multiple people I knew online. I asked strangers. (laughs) what this word means and like what their interpretation of this panel is in context. And most of them said it could mean admire. The word means love. You can use it as admire in the same way I could say, you know, I love you, bro. Love, love is a fluid word. Well, you showed me the, the French version and in the French version, Mm -hmm. they literally use the word admirer, like the verb. And it is the same as true in French. Like, you can say, I admire you, and that can be romantic or not. It's con- it's entirely contextual. It's almost like they used this word on purpose, because it's purposefully, what's the word, ambiguous. They did the same with the Spanish version, because I read the Spanish version. Uh, I was looking, I genuinely, I was looking, I was, had another, I was trying to... <laughs> we had another Spanish language <laughs> translation love <laughs> confession on our hands. <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely, I was trying to find, I I thought I was going to solve it for some reason for a hot minute. I was like piecing it all together. You had like your crazy wall with the red string. With the string. I'm smoking like three cigarettes at once. Pepe Sylvia. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, it, uh, I gave up eventually after talking to people I knew in real life and getting the same answer and over and over again. It just, it's up to interpretation. And then I started thinking about Mineta as a character. 
And in the manga and in some of the manga offshoot series, especially uh, My Hero Academia Smash, which is sort of a comedy offshoot Horikoshi does with one of his friends, Mineta is played up like a bisexual character. He's played up just as a character that's like horny. In an early season, he's talking to this character. He has tentacle arms, right? Nice. And Mineta looks up at him and says, tentacles, hot. (laughs) And it's a male character. As I would say, yeah. Yeah, and like, in the Smash comic, he and another male character play the Pocky game together. I know I just gave you only two examples, but there are multiple examples of Netta just being horny and doesn't care about your gender. So, the fandom was mad. The fandom was very mad that Mineta was bi. We're landing on bi. But was he? Well, <laughs> and- I'm genuinely asking. <laughs> I don't- fucking I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna lean towards yes. <laughs> Gun to head, yes, Mineta's by. But they were mad for a multitude of reasons. First off, nobody likes Mineta except for the Mineta stands. And that's fine. You can stand Mineta if you want. I'm gonna, gonna have questions about other things you like. I want to know more about you if your favorite character in My Hero Academia is Mineta. But you stan him. I don't care. A lot of people brought up that it is problematic to then make the pervert character the bisexual because you're playing into the all bisexuals are perverts and sluts stereotype, which I see. I get that. I hear you. I counter with, and this is a scalding hot take from me that I'm going to have to back up, that not all representation has to be good representation. Personally, I don't feel that all representation has to be good representation. Does it even count as representation? I don't know. If I Here's the thing. I wouldn't even argue that that's bad representation. I no. I don't think that a bisexual character who's a slut is bad representation. <laughs> Speaking as a bisexual who's a slut. Like, I like sex and it's not something to be ashamed of. No, and I agree. I'm also I'm also a big old fat slut. And a bisexual. So, like, I get where people are coming from with a, well, you can't have the pervert be the bisexual because that's playing into harmful stereotypes. Of course you can. I think you can't have every single character be a goddamn angel. Otherwise, your story's gonna be boring. Sometimes people are problematic. Well, I I don't like this idea that it is up to fiction somehow to present this utopic ideal of what it is to be a minority. Mm-hmm. Not into that at all. Yeah, I know I know <laughs> all sorts of bisexual people, some who are total sluts and some who aren't, and some who are just shitty to be around and some who aren't, and I know people of all stripes who are some kind of good or bad, and I don't think it is the duty of fiction to somehow defang a queer experience. Like, I don't know, you said this is like the author's self-insert character, so I don't know, maybe this is how the author expresses his own latent bisexuality. I don't know. That is a point several people have brought up. Maybe maybe it's not. Maybe he's just a straight guy who's a perv. I don't care. (laughs) Like, you can you can criticize that and you can say like well, fucking of course, obviously, the straight guy author would make the depraved pervert bisexual because that's what straight people think of us. But I don't know for certainty that that is true about this author. And you can critique his his depiction of this character and their sexuality all you want. It sounds like 
again, I haven't read it. It sounds like his sort of like perverted behavior is mostly played for laughs. Yeah, he's the comedic character. Yeah, and so like there is certainly an issue there worth discussing about the fact that like, you know, low-grade sexual harassment is mostly played for laughs. I would unironically call that problematic. But uh, I don't... The thing is, the fandom wants literally every character in the show to be gay except for Mineta. Because Mineta is perverted and gross and they don't like it. Because he's problematic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and only only characters we like get to be gay. Oh, yeah, that's not a problem. So what I, I very much hated about the whole situation, I don't give a fuck if Mineta's gay. I don't give a fuck if... It's problematic that he's gay. I give a fuck that, no joke, a third, verging on almost half of the fandom, was out there making straight up just homophobic comments because this fictional grape boy told Deku he loved him. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's cool now. Yeah. Being, being homophobic to queer people who are bad is is funny now according to zoomers i that is that is the issue i took that is one of two issues i took and it, it was it was infuriating and i was already angry about that and then and then i decided to take a break and get on tiktok where i find because the algorithm knows i like my hero academia uh, a lot of my hero academia people being upset and homophobic about Manetta. and so finally i come across somebody i like but this take was wild to me. <laughs> Mineta coming out not only fixed his character and did away with what his past harm, but also now just made him likable to the fandom as if making this character that everybody found loathsome queer is suddenly going to just undo all of that as if being gay is just a magic wand i can wave to turn any problem i have into glitter and unicorn crap and that is where i decided to put my phone down because i was mad oh i was mad i was mad being gay doesn't make you a better person and being gay doesn't make you pure you can be a pervert, you can be a slut, you can have a complicated past, you can be a bad person and be gay. <laughs> and this is the hill I choose to die on today. You can be a sexual assailant and be gay. Like, okay, I didn't I didn't see the TikToks you're talking about because I'm not on TikTok. But if I had to give a charitable interpretation of what this guy is saying, I would think that it is sometimes a struggle to come to terms with your queer sexual identity, and that frustration can cause you to act out and in ways that are unacceptable, like, absolutely, in ways that are not then retroactively made okay because you eventually come out. But it can be, like, a, a clarifying moment when you are able to put all that frustration, you know, whether it's, like, inappropriate sexual behavior or whatever into context because you were, you had internalized homophobia, you had some internalized problem about your own sexuality in general. Like, I don't know. So I can imagine that, like, coming to terms with one's sexuality can be seen as character growth when that person has, like, a weird relationship with sexuality in general, like, is, like, a weird, kooky pervert played for laughs. And, like, 
being led to maybe a more authentic understanding of his sexuality is is at least doing something with his character trait of mm. kooky perv. I don't know if that's what this person was driving at. That's just, if I had to, if someone challenged me to make that take work, that's what I would say. <laughs> um, but yeah, being being queer does not absolve you of crimes, sexual or otherwise. Does not absolve you of poor past decisions. Even if you were struggling with your identity and were struggling to come out, you still have a responsibility to not be like a raging asshole and not assault people or harass people or X, Y, and Z. And yeah. I agree. I think being charitable, it's character growth. I agree with everything you just said, Kendra. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Like it, it, it can, it can provide an explanation for past behavior uh, but that past behavior is still just as wrong, even though there is now an explanation to it that is maybe a little bit sympathetic. The fact that this person chose to say it fixes him and like, yeah, maybe they were flustered because everyone was very mad. <laughs> everyone was big mad. Yeah. But mm-hmm. being gay doesn't make you a better person. And I feel like that needs to be said. Being gay doesn't make you a better person and you don't have to be a perfect person to be gay. Of course not. I get that coming out or realizing something about your own sexuality makes you a better person, air quotes, in that mm-hmm. it it makes you a more authentic person. Like, and it, it can explain some troubling behavior you've had in the past. Like, not the fact that you are gay, but the fact that you were struggling with your sexuality. And... Yeah, it does not absolve one of past crimes, obviously, uh, but it, it, it can be an explanation. It can provide context for why someone was behaving like a jackass, like if they had a struggle about their own sexuality. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm trying to think of like a character, like a like a loathsome character where just like, oh, oh, they're gay. Well, I forgive you, but I'm, I'm having trouble because my brain <laughs> is just thinking Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> And I know, I know there are many people who would unironically think that, yes. <laughs> Voldemort? Question mark? Yeah, sure. If Voldemort had, like, if Voldemort at the end of book seven was like, oh, this whole time I was attracted to men, and I don't know, if there was this cathartic moment at the end of where it's like, ah, oh, that's, I just had this, this, all this internalized self-hatred, and... My, you know, my dad was a raging homophobe, and so I was like, I was at a school with all these beautiful teenage boys, and that's, I knew then that I would always hate what I was, and blah blah blah. I don't know, that doesn't undo the genocide that Voldemort has then tried to perpetrate. That would be a, that would be a, I would, that would be a shocking twist ending. People have written that ending. I'm sure. And like, I would find, like, that character's actions are obviously much worse than being a teenage perv. So I get that some people would not be happy that he was assigning most of the blame to those actions to his, (laughs) I don't know, sexual identity crisis. (laughs) But like, I don't know. People don't even forgive Dumbledore. Mm, He's apparently big air quotes. Apparently being the key phrase there. Um, Thanks, Rowling. Anyway, Manetta may or may not be bi. I don't actually give a shit. I don't. At this point, I hope he is gay, because I'm I'm a mean, bitter person, <laughs> and I want all of these homophobic fans to suffer. Yeah, I, mean, yeah. I get that. I definitely get that. 
I mean, yeah, like, I don't necessarily think that it, he's bad queer representation, knowing nothing about this character other than what you've told me. And even if he is bad representation, quote-unquote, I don't think that means the character shouldn't exist, or, like, you always need to have perfect representation as if such a thing exists or you need the fans permission to write a character yeah or you need the fans permission to just write a bad character who's a bad person that's another thing horikoshi is a big old fat troll mm. and fans have been just non-stop i mean you've seen the my hero academia fandom they I have sure been have. aggressive about demanding that this ship be canon or this ship be canon or this character be gay and you know we demand representation and then Mineta comes out as bi so fucking good for him (laughs) (laughs) dealing with his fucking entitled bitchy fan base in the trolliest way possible fucking good for him yeah like he doesn't owe you fucking anything don't buy his comic if it makes you so angry don't you don't have to give him money. People people come at him for Bakudeku shippers. His assistant, his like executive assistant, is a huge Bakudeku shipper. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> uh, same. Yes, and it's all, all the more fan mail I have to root through. I'm like, fuck you. It's also just like, you know, <laughs> American teenagers wanting the media produced by Japan to be exactly to their tastes and specifications mm-hmm. and standards of morality, which is fucking racist <laughs> yeah and just stupid mm-hmm. it's a it's a thought that gets repeated a lot but like we won't have true representation and visibility and equality and all these things we purport to want until queer people minorities of any stripes disabled people what have you until they are allowed to be as varied and myriad as the white straight anti-hero, we don't have that because we are still <laughs> in some capacity claiming that these people can't be fully human because they have a duty to some minority community. And yeah. I fully reject that sort of it's idea. upsetting. I will say that I think representation is important in children's media because children who are struggling with identity and everything about themselves just life it's it's important for them to see oh look at this person who's like you and like nothing to be ashamed of that's nice actually honestly now that i think about it it's been kind of a banger week for people coming out though like gonzo had his their gender fluid moment i don't know who that is. what the fuck are you talking gonzo about? is a muppet gonzo as far as from I know. This- yes Yes, and now they are gender fluid, apparently. Oh. From what I understand, in the cartoon, they have this moment and they are gender fluid now. I guess? I don't know. I didn't watch it. Sorry, I thought Gonzo was going to be like a SoundCloud rapper that I had never heard of. <laughs> because that's... <laughs> no, that's DaBaby, and DaBaby is homophobic because DaBaby said I knew that. all gays have AIDS, except for his classy yeah. gay fans. Oh, good save, buddy. His fine upstanding gay, gay fans. Gay people are valid when they pay me. Cool. And then, and then Amni and, uh, Luz. Luz? I don't know, I don't watch Owl House. But the two characters, the two queer characters from Owl House got together. So, good for y'all. Banger week. We've had Gonzo, uh, DaBaby got all his concerts cancelled, <laughs> Mineta, and Al House. We're doing awesome. great. <laughs> cool. Okay. Sure. <laughs> 
diversity win. <laughs> Happy Pride! Yay! <laughs> but yeah, I think we talked about the thing. Oh, we definitely talked about the thing. What are you guys up to? Anything? Anything happy going on? Okay, so I don't really care about sports, and I'm not the biggest fan of the Olympics because I, I watching it gives me anxiety. Can't even handle the pressure of watching the Olympics. It's, it's kind of sad. Never mind competing. I, never mind competing. But the men's high jump, um, I, I can't remember their names, but the men's high jump for Qatar and men's high jump for Italy both had the same exact level that they hit, which was... And they had, like, the same scores. Like, yeah. you get three attempts to jump a certain height, and if you can do it without knocking the bar down... That's a better score than if you miss twice and then make it on the third attempt. Yeah. So they had the same exact scores. And they were going to, like, I think they were going to do another jump. They were going to do a jump off, basically. Yeah, they were going to jump off. They were going to keep going until one of them failed. But then the guy from Qatar was like, can we have two gold? And so they both won gold. And I, I kind of went down the rabbit hole in this story. They both suffered from ankle injuries. and In the same year, 2018. In the same year. And helped each other recover and, like, fight back the demons and get going again and all this stuff. They're actually really close friends. And it's fucking adorable. And I want a movie of these two beautiful men in fucking men's high jump. In Tokyo. The moment where one of them leapt into the other's arms as soon as they were told they could both get the gold was very heartwarming. That was very much the Italian. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna find I'm gonna find their names. Uh, so the uh, the Qatari uh, high jumper is uh, Mutaz El Sabarshim, and uh, the Italian high jumper is Gianmarco Tamberi. And, yeah, apparently, like, they are buds, they both had ankle injuries in 2018. It's the cutest shit in the world, and I want my Oscar gold bait movie. So, um, I have in the past mentioned that I have not watched many of Sarah Zed's videos. The algorithm decided to show me one, and it was a doozy! Um, so apparently, in the last few months, Sarah Zed posted a video about the history of Homestuck. The webcomic. Uh, I haven't watched it, because I don't care at all about Homestuck. Like, a negative amount about Homestuck. But, apparently, when uh, when she posted this video, she, uh, the, the, the company that now owns Homestuck sent her a legal threat. Because they were <laughs> claiming that there was stuff in her video that was slanderous and inaccurate. And uh, it wasn't. It was it was just fully her talking about the history of Homestuck. And apparently now, uh, I didn't know this, Homestuck has a video game. Homestuck uh, did a Kickstarter and raised over $2 million to make some kind of video game, and it is still not complete. And there has been endless delays and drama about working in, like, the offices on the video game, like, two video game studios have folded now, trying to produce this game. So, luckily for Sarah Zed, uh, she has a- she has a manager, like, a- a content maker manager, I didn't know that they had such a thing, who responded on her behalf to this really outrageous email she received, 
And, like, it was clearly just trying to be a scare tactic. Like, they didn't expect her to know her rights. <laughs> like, you are allowed to criticize a piece of media and not be sued for it. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> and so I watched this video. I watched this video uh, where, because, like, Andrew Hussey no longer exclusively owns Homestuck like a company does now. He sold it or something. But eventually, Andrew Hussey emails her and is trying, like, basically, it's just a long back and forth where, like, they don't want to admit they were out of line, but also they don't really have anything to criticize her for because all of the things she reported in her video were true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, even if they weren't true, it's not it's not a crime to repeat a lie that you heard. <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's just bad journalism, but it's not a crime. Uh, and that didn't even happen. So I did watch this video where she documented her long back and forth with Andrew Hussey, who is apparently just a stone-cold fucking weirdo, because his emails were something. And I thought it was just, uh, yeah, apparently, like, like she spoke to um, people who got fired and from the Homestuck game and people who, like, had their assets used in the game, like, uncredited and stuff like that. And it would, like, it sounds like the production around this game is just an absolute shit show. And <laughs> yeah, man, I, I want to know even less about Homestuck now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I can't comment about anything in the history of Homestuck video that she produced because, again, you could not pay me enough money to watch that video. But the subsequent one, where she was sent legal threats by the company that now owns Homestuck because they just expected her to delete the video because they sent her an angry email, was was hysterically funny. Happens. Good for her for having a manager, though. Oh, yeah, and good for her for absolutely not being threatened by official-seeming emails and and knowing her rights as a critic. Because they wanted her to take the video down. They were making demands in their email. They were like, a tweet or a pinned comment will not suffice in this case. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, good, because it's not coming down at all. (laughs) Well, speaking of Twitter, if you'd like to find us online, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Blissfully Show. I post links to our YouTube there. If you're watching us on YouTube... Hi, hello, do the things, like, comment, subscribe, comment, let us know if there's anything you'd like us to cover in the future. Uh, I'm always open to suggestions. I've got some stuff in the works. And yeah, otherwise, thank y'all so much for joining us this week. Until next time, bye! Bye-bye! Another handy one is to kill the Sims. That was my outlet. I'd put them in a swimming pool and then delete the ladder. Watch them, watch them drown.